Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Jen and Cam are two funny ladies who like to talk about murder, mass murder, murder-suicide, serial killers, spree killers, thrill killers, contract killings, honor killings, and a whole lot of other shit. Too heinous for me to list here. If you're disturbed by this sort of content, you may want to listen to something else. And if you're a child trying to listen to our true crime podcast, well, you better ask your mama. Hi, Jen. Hey, Cam. How are you? I'm pretty good. How are you? Happy 2023. Isn't that weird? That's so weird. Who would have ever thought? It really is true. The older you get, the faster it goes. Just it saying. It does. It really it does. does. So, speaking so. of which, I hear you got a case speaking that of which, is <laughs> terrible. No, speaking of which, that doesn't, yeah, okay. It doesn't doesn't have to make sense. I was just trying to move us along. (laughs) That's all. Well, we don't want to waste a lot of time because we know people get a little angry if we waste more than a minute speaking (laughs) um, in the front to discuss. But um, we will tell you that we both had a good Christmas and New Year's. We hope everybody did the same. So anyway, yes, today's episode is (sighs) a requested one. Unfortunately, I do not remember who requested it. I looked through all of Instagram, Twitter, everything, and I cannot find. I'm normally really good about writing things down. I did not. I apologize. So if you did request this, let me know. Email us at archercrimepodcast at gmail.com, and I will add your name to the show notes as you are the person that requested this. This is a horrible thing. I mean, it's, it's pretty graphic graphic and there's a bunch of trigger warnings in it. If there are little kids in the room, I really don't think they should be in here while you are in there while you're listening to this. If you're at work, please put on your headphones. It's, you'll hear, yeah, yeah, it's just something. So big time listener discretion. Big time listener discretion. So um, this man is uh, pretty evil in my own opinion. So Probably a lot of other people's, too. Well, I can't wait. Let's have Mm, it. You're going to regret those words. All right. Ready? I I really am. In 1984, the beautiful, tranquil area of Burnt River in Ontario, Canada, would attract the attention of this free-spirited, organic, food-growing faith community called the Ant Hill Kids. And it was here, along an isolated road on August 16th, 
1989, that a member of that faith community hitchhiked her way to a hospital, protecting the stump that used to be her right arm. A former nurse herself, Gabrielle Lavallee, knew only too well the horrors that could befall an untreated amputation. But any horror that could result from rampant infection was mild in comparison to the horror that she had already endured. Gabrielle, determined to leave the community behind, eventually spilled her story to the police. And as often as the case in quote-unquote utopian communities, Gabrielle had existed in conditions far from utopian. In reality, she had been living in an absolute sadistic hellscape controlled and manipulated by the leader of the Ant Hill Kids, a man from Quebec named Rock Terrio. What follows is a story so heinous and bizarre that if this was a work of fiction, the author would be taken to task for making up such an unbelievable story. Put on your belt, sweetie. It's, I am. It's, yeah. some, it's horrible. Rock Terrio was born in the Sagune Valley in Quebec on May 16, 1947, to a Catholic couple named Hyacinth and Pierrette Terrio. He was the second of seven children and the eldest boy. And also, I'm going to say this is a bunch of French-Canadian names, and I'm pronouncing them the best that I can, so I apologize. I apologize in advance. I'm trying. I think you're doing pretty good so far. Well, like, like you know French-Canadian. I anyway. don't. Camille's <clears throat> At the age French. of six. Just yeah, saying. Well, <laughs> At the age of six, the family moved to Thetford Mines in the eastern townships. The town's local school only went up to the seventh grade, and none of the Terrio children received any further formal education beyond that point. Though Rock would later describe his parents, particularly his father, as abusive, Hyacinth denied any mistreatment of their children. Rock's father was devoutly religious and a member of the White Berets, which was a Catholic offshoot of the Depression era creditiste movement. And between attending mass and his father's forced door-to-door white beret literature distribution campaigns, Rock developed a distaste for Catholicism in particular and organized religion in general. Can you hear Chad? Chad's going crazy, by the way. Because he wants attention. He's crying. Yeah. On November 11th, 1967, Rock married Francine Grenier and they moved to Montreal. Over the next three years, the couple had two sons, and during this time, Rock developed severe ulcers, which had to be surgically removed. Terrio experienced constant pain and discomfort from these surgeries, and this led to him becoming obsessed with medicine and anatomy. That's called foreshadowing, just let me know. Mm -hmm. He then moved his family back to Thetford Mines and became involved in municipal politics while finding employment in woodworking. But because of the pain from his surgeries, Rock began drinking alcohol quite frequently. On his visits to Quebec to sell wares, he began having multiple affairs. One of the women he hooked up with was named Giselle, and he would later marry. Rock could not possibly make enough money to support a family on his woodworking alone, and the bank foreclosed on his home. And this was the last straw for his wife, like his first wife, Francine. And she took their two sons and left. Around this time, Rock Terrio discovered the Seventh-day Adventist Church. The Adventists, which was led by a man named Pierre Zita, met every Saturday. And despite his former feelings towards organized religion, Rock became their most devoted follower. He began following the Adventist dietary guidelines, which is mostly a vegetarian diet. 
and he avoided caffeine and alcohol. And in fact, Rock's enthusiasm for God's work and his newfound obsession with the Old Testament began to unsettle the other Adventists. Rock was particularly drawn to the strict codes of masculine authority in the Old Testament and was also fascinated with the apocalyptic messages of violence. Terrio began selling Adventist literature door-to-door, despite how much Rock despised going door-to-door as a child for his father and hit the white berets. But on some level, Rock must have realized that this was an excellent way to gain attention, respect, and most of all, followers. Among his followers in 1977 were, and here's a lot of names that I'm probably going to screw up, but let me try it. They were Joji Pelletiere, Francine Laflamme, Nicole Rule, Claude Wallette, Jacques Vizet, and Solange Bouillard, Chantelle Labrie, and of course, Giselle. Rock added two more acolytes to his group when he met Gabrielle Lavallee from Quebec and Yolanda Genubert from France at Lake Rousseau's Adventist retreat in 1977. During this retreat, Rock went hiking by himself, and he said he had a vision of which the sky lit up with a white radiance, and the voice of God told him that the rock on which he stood was a holy place. And like Moses descending from Mount Sinai, Rock Terrio returned to his followers a glow from his encounter with God and knowledge of his own spiritual superiority. He offered his followers salvation and deliverance through his vision from God. Terrio quickly gained a reputation as a healer and decided it was time to move his group to St. Marie, which is about 65 kilometers or 40 miles south of Quebec City. There he opened the Healthy Living Clinic, an alternative medicine venue where he sold organic foods and holistic literature. Rock's next move in becoming a tyrannical cult leader was when he decided that his followers should have a uniform. An ankle-length pullover tunic green for the women and a beige one for the men, with Rock, of course, wearing a dark brown robe. Is there a reason for the colors or? I don't know, but it kind of, the colors, the whole Handmaid's Tale is what I thought of with everybody having different colors. Mm-hmm. The Healthy Living Clinic proved to make the group money, but more importantly, Rock gained more followers. Patrons volunteered time or financial donations. Leo Mark Foshi sold his worldly possessions to help fund the clinic, and his wife and child joined the group. Jacques Grigier and Marie Grenier did likewise. All the women except for Marie Grenier, who really didn't like being with the group, but she was there only because her husband joined and wouldn't leave, competed for Rock's attention. Giselle feared that her position of power and Rock's affections might be usurped by one of the women in the group, and she proposed marriage to him. A week later, Rock and Giselle were married on January 8, 1978, at an Adventist church in Montreal. On the way home from the wedding, Rock continued to flirt with the other girls in the group, and Giselle worried that he'd married her to gain credibility with the Adventists. But the Adventists grew more concerned, and Pierre Zita approached the parents of many of the girls in the group, hoping that they could convince their daughters to leave Rock. Zita also tried to convince Giselle directly to leave Rock. But they couldn't. I mean, many of the parents were able to get the police involved, but the girls refused to speak to them when the authorities did welfare checks. Rock's place in the community became damaged as he defaulted on his loans. And the police, however, could do nothing. 
In March of 1978, Geraldine Guinea Claire, a leukemia patient, was admitted to Rock's clinic. Claire's husband was a new follower of Terrio and was convinced that Rock could treat her better than the oncology doctors in Quebec. Mr. Claire checked his wife Geraldine out of the hospital and into the Healthy Living Clinic. And it's unclear if he did this without his wife's permission or if he also managed to convince her of Rock's superior medical skills. Either way, the result was the same. Once at the clinic, Geraldine was put on a diet of organic produce and grape juice. And unfortunately, she died shortly thereafter. Rock told his family that he had gone into her room and kissed her. And she awakened from death. But that quote, you know, when God wants people, he takes them. It was Geraldine's time. That was step number two from the cultist playbook, by the way. Claim a miracle that nobody else witnessed and blame it on God when it doesn't go your way. The parents of 19-year-old Gabrielle Nadeau, who had multiple sclerosis, placed her under Terrio's care. They had met him in an anti-smoking workshop. Gabrielle Nadeau would also later die under the care of Rock, but coroner found that she had died of natural causes. In April of 1978, on the initiative of Pierre Zita, Rock Terrio was voted out of the Seven-Day Adventist Church. They had had enough of him. He was not leading the life that their religion was teaching, and they booted him out. So Rock took this all in stride and initiated his next move in his brainwashing campaign. He was going to marry some of his followers to other followers, even if they had no desire to be together. Or they were already married or... No, no, this would be like you and I being in a cult and we had to marry this guy named Frank Mm. and you you had to to marry wives. (gasps) Sure. Whatever. So he just married off. He just paired off couples. Didn't matter if they liked each other or not. He just paired them off. So he paired off Claude Wallette with Soleil Billard and Jacques Fizet to Nicole Rule. Rock allowed Solange to invite her parents to the ceremony where Terrio's rambling speech emphasizing the woman's role of subservience to the man, distressed Solange's parents, which would also bother me quite a bit also. Well, the whole arranged marriage thing would bother me, or Mm. or the cult, either (laughs) or. Well, we'll get into that later. Also, in the spring of 1978, Giselle, who was pregnant and feeling jealous of all the attention her husband Rock was giving the other girls, decided to give Rock an ultimatum. She said she was going to return home with her father if he didn't disband the group and tell his followers to move out. And it probably would go as you would expect, Mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. she quickly changed her mind after Rock punched her in the face and locked her in a bedroom for two days. It's not how I thought that was going to go. I thought she was just going to leave. From the outside and in hindsight, we can see how Rock's control was increasing, and so was his violence. So the next move in this cold cult thing, divide, conquer, and isolate. So in June of 1978, Rock moved his group to the wilderness of the Gaspé Peninsula. There, Terrio told the group the exact date that the world would end. And that date was February 17th, 1979. Oh, I guess it didn't happen, huh? You're, you're really observant. Mm-hmm. You're smart. I like Thanks. you. And right out of the playbook, he told them that day, the commune would become God's chosen, and they would only survive by the guidance of Rock himself, Mm. who's the only one that could help. Mm. So he set the group out, and they hiked for days until they reached a hill beside a small body of water called Lexac, 
Theriot named it Eternal Mountain, and they erected a tent town there and began construction on a large communal cabin. They worked at least 17 hours a day clearing the land and occasionally getting supplies from the village. Jacques Fizy and Claude Wallet dug with a shovel and pickaxe for 2,000 hours, working all summer to dig a well. And when they finally reached the water table, Rock declared it a miracle. <laughs> yeah, 2,000 hours later. Uh, while he sat back and watched. Of course. Terrio rationed the food, and if anyone complained about being hungry, he would restrict their rations even further. Rock claimed that he was unable to work because of his stomach pains. Oh. And this is when he dubbed the group the Ant Hill Kids because he noticed that they all looked like busy little ants doing all the work. That is so demeaning. Uh-huh. Rock mm-hmm. implemented the next step in his mind control, convincing his followers that everyone in the outside world, most especially their parents, most especially their parents, were active oppressors of the righteous. The group members were made to cut off all contact with their families, and most of the group obliged, but not all of them. Uh, Yolanda Genebert, who had joined the group at the retreat at Lake Rousseau, returned to France, claiming that her passport was about to expire. And Leo Marc Fauci, who had joined the Healthy Living Clinic and had given Rock all of his money, took what few possessions that he had left and retreated for civilization with his wife and child. They were lucky to get out early. When the cabin was completed in September, it consisted of a single open room with a floor made of pounded wooden rounds with a well in the center. The room consisted only of waist-high partitions and bed sheets hung as curtains, and the cabin's ceiling was made of mossy bark-covered logs. It was located about nine miles from the nearest road and accessible only by snowmobile, helicopter, or by foot. He kept them way out in the middle of nowhere. Eventually, upstairs sleeping areas were added and accessible only by ladders. And this was to be their home until God began his thousand-year reign on Earth. Rock would organize skits and songs to entertain his followers. Because that's what he does, I guess. Everyone woke up at 6 a.m. and was assigned their chore for the day after the singing of psalms. And that's not songs, that's psalms, P-S-A-L-M-S, like hymns. The group had to fast for 24 hours before having sex so they could be pure. These just all these benign rules. Um, pure? Not, I guess not benign eating? wouldn't even, benign wouldn't be the right word. Like insane would probably work better. Rock gave them all new names from the Old Testament to commemorate their new life. But for the sake of clarity, we're not even going to discuss those. We're just going to do their birth names in this episode. So by giving them new names, Rock had effectively consumed any of their former identity. Rock himself took the name of Moshi or Moses. And just a little FYI, Moses is considered to be one of the most important prophets in Christianity and in Judaism. In October, Nicole Rule, whom Rock had married to Jacques Fizy, confessed that she had intercourse with Rock while everybody else was working. Now, Giselle was Did she devastated. fast for 24 hours before? <laughs> She's got to. That's the rules. Well, I don't how- make them up. Rock does. <laughs> There'd be no sense of romance then. <laughs> no. Sorry, honey. We can meet back up tomorrow at this time. Yeah. You can have that biscuit later. So Giselle was devastated, of course, and she's always been jealous of all the other women, right? She always wanted Rock for herself. And she ran. She ran away. She ran from the compound. And Rock went after her. And once he got to her, 
he began to choke her and didn't let up until Giselle agreed to come back. And that's when Rock declared that all the communal marriages, besides the one beside himself and Giselle's, were void. Oh, so I like how he just whatever he says. I mean, he got, he's going with the flow. Whatever he feels, whatever. That's the new law. It's uh, yeah, I, it's scary, is what it is. He's it's, uh, something. He's horrible. His next move was reminiscent of uh, David Crush, Warren mm. Jeffs, and Charles Manson. All those mm. fine gentlemen. He married all the women to himself. Oh, see, I was wondering where that was coming up because mm-hmm. a while ago, that's what I thought you were going to say. You went nope, including including Gabrielle Nadeau, the now twenty year old multiple sclerosis invalid now, although he never consummated his marriage to her. The only exception besides Nadeau was Maurice Grenier, the wife of Jacques Greger, because Rock never considered Maurice as one of truly as one of the members. She was there strictly because her husband and her children were there. Now, it has been shown repeatedly that children play a major factor in coercing people to stay in cults. And that's why cult leaders insist on having children by so many of their followers. It's yet another control factor, and it's a very powerful one at that. In November of 1978, the Jonestown Massacre occurred. Doomsday cults were now heavily in the public conscience. And with that, some of the parents of the women of the Ant Hill Kids tried to get law enforcement to intervene. But there was nothing they could legally do. None of the members had complained. And Rock had done nothing illegal, at least nothing that they could prove. Rock abandoned the Adventist diet and began drinking heavily. His drunken sermons to the group became more incoherent and out of control. And if anyone fell asleep, he smacked their head with a four-inch thick club. When Maurice Grenier, who was pregnant at the time, ate more food than Rock had allocated her, he punched her in the side and broke two of her ribs. Punishment, like standing naked in the snow, became more frequent. When Maurice began to talk about leaving, Rock instructed her husband, Jacques, to cut off one of her toes with an axe as punishment. When Jacques balked, Rock told him, quote, If you want to be a man, you have to learn how to teach your woman a lesson. When Jacques hesitated, Rock grabbed the axe and threatened to cut off all of Maurice's toes himself. So reluctantly, Jacques took the axe and severed one of his wife's small toes. After that, Jacques became Rock's main enforcer, and any hope that Maurice had of escaping with her family intact, it just fell to the wayside. When the prophesied days of February 17th came and went without the return of Jesus, shockingly, Rock had an excuse for that. Of course he did, because according to him, Rock, God's time and human time could not really be translated exactly. And therefore, he'd been using the Israeli calendar and not the Gregorian calendar. Silly him. He was using the wrong type of calendar. (sighs) That changes everything. It does. Yeah. So, to the shock and dismay of the families of his followers, the group did not abandon him when his prophecies did not come true. I Again, let's just comment that uh, he changes the rules as he goes, just to of make Of course him, he does. That's kind of really how it all change. goes. More like bend. Bend the rules. Oh, no. He's, he's chopping those suckers up. When 21-year-old Chantelle Labrie's family obtained a court order to have her daughter tested by a mental health professional... Rock Terrio refused to hand her over. And one month later, 10 police officers arrived by helicopter on Eternal Mountain 
and they arrested Rock and three other male followers for obstruction of justice. Rock was ordered by the court to undergo a psychological evaluation in Quebec City for 30 days. Rock Terrio's powers of persuasion were such that he convinced the doctors that his followers had been living a life of self-destructive behavior when he found them, that they had been drug users, estranged from their families with no future, and that he himself had saved them and given them a second chance at life. And guess what? The doctors actually believed him. No. They found him sane and fit to stand trial for obstruction of justice and released him early from his 30-day hospital stay. The other three men had been released pretty much the day after their arrest. And the judge gave Rock a one-year suspended sentence on the obstruction charge. And when the Forest Department threatened to kick the group off the public lands that they were essentially squatting on, Rock and his disciples went to see the premier, which in Canada, a premier is the head of government of a province or territory, right? So they went to the premier and they asked permission to stay. And not only did Rock get promises that they could stay, but they were given seeds with which they could grow crops. The local newspapers ran stories about how this peaceful mountain man might be eccentric, but he was mostly harmless. They dubbed the group the Holy Moses Mountain Family, which to me sounds like a family music group that would perform in Branson. That's what I Ladies was and gentlemen, the Holy Mo- Moses Mountain Family. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. So anyway, Branson, Chantel. Missouri. Yeah, Branson, yeah. Branson, Missouri. Missouri. Yeah. yeah. Now, Chantel Labrie, the one whose parents had gotten the court order to have her undergo the psychiatric evaluation, she was also taken up in this raid. And she was released in, quote, perfect mental health. On April 27th, 1979, and she was allowed to return to the compound. Rock felt that the real reason he was arrested was so that the families of his cult members could be flown out to visit their children and try to persuade them to come home. And indeed, that did happen, but none of the members left with their family. Gabrielle Nadeau, who was then age 21, went into a coma and died shortly after Rock returned to the compound. And although the coroner would report that Nadeau was emaciated and only about 60 pounds at the time of her death, he believed that she died from complications of her MS, and it was a completely natural death. In early November 1980, a man named Guy Veer joined the commune. Now, Guy had undergone treatment for depression at the same hospital that had declared Rock mentally sound. And after hearing Rock on television, Fear decided that he, too, wanted to spend the rest of his life at the side of Rock Terrio. Veer was permitted to stay at the commune, but only in the storage shed away from Terrio and his family. And when I say family, it's like Manson family. It's, quote, family. Not his real family. No, he, had, he did have kids with some of the women there. But when I say family, it's... it's <laughs> some the, of the women. It's the Manson family, quote, type. Okay. Veer was given a small wood stove, a case of 24 bottles of home-brewed beer, two hens, a rooster, and one meal a day. In addition to his regular set of chores, Veer's job would be babysitting three of the group's children that didn't belong to Rock. These three children, whom Rock referred to as, quote, animals, because they weren't of his seed, were, mm -hmm, were Maurice's and Jock's children. Samuel, age two, and Miriam, age four. Simon Wallet, age two, who was the son of Solange and Claude. 
during their brief quote-unquote marriage. I was just going to say, he forced them to get married, and now he doesn't like the children that he forced them to bear. Thank you. Well, Maurice and Jacques were married before. Jacques made Maurice come with him to the family. Maurice pretty much didn't want to be there, but Jacques was there, and she didn't want to leave him and her two kids. So she's pretty much there by, by default, I should say. But Solange and Claude's son, Simon, while at was there because of that marriage Rock did. And of course, that was before Rock decided to marry all of the women himself. All of the women are now married, except for Maurice, you know. At this point of the story, Rock Terrio had three children of his own living at the commune, one by Giselle, one by Solange, and one by Nicole. On March 23rd, 1980, Rock's two sons from his first marriage to Francine Grenier Rock Jr., age 12, and Francois, age 10, were coming to live with their father in the commune, and Rock decided to throw a party, throw a big party to commemorate the occasion. And um, it's not really sure why the two older boys were there. But Guy, Guy Veer, he wasn't invited to the party. His job was to look after those three animals, or the non-Rock children. His story, or their story, was that Samuel, the two-year-old, the son of uh, Maurice and Jacques, was crying and uh, wouldn't stop crying. And Vera, who was babysitting them, lost his temper and screamed at the kid. But shockingly, the kid continued to cry, probably because some stranger was screaming at him the entire time. So he then, Vera, picked up the two-year-old by the throat and punched him in the face five or six times. The next day, Rock discovered what had happened and placed Samuel under the care of Gabrielle Lavallee, because remember, she was the nurse of the group. Gabrielle noticed that baby Samuel's head was flapping around on it. He couldn't keep it straight. And she also noticed that his penis was swollen. What? Rock then took a pair of scissors, and after sterilizing them with alcohol, he lanced Samuel's penis to permit urine to flow out. And the oh. next morning, mm-hmm, the next morning, Samuel was found dead. Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. 
Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Now, the courts accepted this story. They just accepted it. Like, oh, okay, that sounds... The kid, he was punched five or six times, but okay. Uh. However, according to a book by the name of Savage Messiah by Kayla and Ross Lavere, or Laver, L-A-V-E-R, Giselle told a different story. She said that Samuel's face was bruised on the morning of the 24th of March, but nothing else was wrong with him. However, Rock decided, just straight out of the blue, that he needed to circumcise the child. He used 94% ethanol solution to sterilize the razor and poured some of it into Samuel's mouth for, to use as an anesthetic. So it's possible that Samuel died of alcohol poisoning at the hands of Rock. <sighs> well, uh, why did he make him... Why... I, mm, I, yeah, I, your guess is as good as anybody's. Um, it's reported that Maurice returned to work after hearing about her baby's death. There's really nothing else she could do for fear of retaliation in my eyes. Rock suggested that they burn the baby's remains because he was worried that if they buried him, predators would not leave the remains alone. So Maurice and Jacques agreed to have their son's body cremated. Poor Maurice, she was just kind of stuck. I mean, I would have a hard time leaving my child. My husband, I'd leave him. But my child, I'd, I don't know if I could. One night, six months later in September, a drunken rock decided that Veer should stand trial for the crime of killing Samuel. Giselle says that Guy only hit Samuel and Rock was the one that decided about the circumcision, which led to the boy's death. I would think five so, yeah. punches to the face of a little kid. Two-year-old, I'm sure Probably had some brain damage going on by that time. Possibly. I don't know. But anyway, Rock decided that Guy Veer was responsible and he had to stand trial for this. So he appointed Jacques, the baby's father, to be the judge. Giselle would be the prosecution. And Claude Wallet was the lawyer for the defense. Gabrielle would act as coroner and Rock's other six wives would act as the jury. The trial lasted one hour, and the unanimous verdict of not guilty by reason of insanity was passed. Could you imagine a world <laughs> in which that's how we operated? Mm-hmm. Where you just appoint people to do things, and then, yeah. of course, mm-hmm. they're going to do exactly what you want them to do. Oh, but Rock, Rock wasn't happy with this not guilty verdict. He wasn't happy about it. And a couple hours later, he took the baby's father, Jacques, aside and suggested that they should probably castrate Guy Veer. And uh, Rock Terrio called for another vote. And a jury of 10, including Rock's 12-year-old son, Rock Jr., 10 of this jury, right? Only three of them voted against the castration. And those, that was Giselle and the parents of Samuel, Jacques, and Maurice. They're the only ones that voted against the castration. The rest voted for Rock to castrate guy i know i'm missing something here but why are we castrating him what's rock just decided that was punishment exactly Mm -hmm. okay okay so and as you would guess 
or assume uh, Guy was uh, very opposed to this idea. <laughs> I but think so. Rock talked him into it. Rock claimed that the castration would cure Veer's headaches and excessive masturbation that was causing Veer's respiratory difficulties. Now, I'm not a doctor, but it's <laughs> unclear how Rock came to the conclusion that emissions from Veer's penis affected his lungs, but nobody else seemed to question that science. So Rock explained that in the group hierarchy, uh, Veer was a slave and that if he underwent the castration, he would become a eunuch, which would be a step up. So Guy Veer signed the letter of consent. Gabriel gathered an elastic band, a razor, and a magnified glass, a magnifying glass, <laughs> and a pair of tweezers, and the ethanol. Rock castrated Veer, and his testicles were discarded in tissue, and then the man bled for a week. I'm surprised he didn't bleed to death. Ah, uh, me too. Rock, thinking that Veer was now a security risk, enjoyed tormenting him and beating him and playing games where he would instruct his followers to pierce Veer through the chest with knives, but they would, but he would call off everybody just at the last minute. Like they'd get right ready to pierce him in the chest and he'd go, oh, no, 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 don't do that. No, 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 no. The obvious inspiration for that psychological torment is Abraham from the Bible, you know, being stopped from sacrificing his son Isaac by God at the very last minute. But on November 5th, Guy Veer managed to escape to the village of St. Jogues, where he told the villagers that a baby had died after being kicked by a horse. And the police raided the compound, arrested Rock and baby Samuel's parents, and relocated the remaining seven children to foster homes. Authorities found the child's remains and also found Guy Veer's letter of quote-unquote consent to the castration and even the ballots which had been used for the vote, including the one cast by Rock's 12-year-old son. The coroner determined that the group was criminally responsible for the death of Samuel, and the police charged Rock, Jock, Maurice, Gabrielle, and Guy with criminal negligence and causing bodily harm to two-year-old Samuel. Claude, who had burned Samuel's body, was charged with obstruction of justice, the baby's parents, Jacques and Maurice, were also charged with neglect toward their oldest daughter, who was then five. Claude and Solange were similarly charged with treating their, their three-year-old son, Simon. And Rock and Gabrielle were also charged with bodily harm with intent to mutilate Guy Veer. That's a lot. The accused pleaded not guilty. Jacques, Maurice, Claude, Solange, and Guy were released on their own recognizance on the condition that they do not return to the cabin. Rock and Gabrielle were denied bail as they were considered a danger to the public. The commune members, not in custody, moved to the town of New Carlisle, where the trial was held. All parties were found guilty of all charges. Maurice and Solange got three years probation. Jacques and Claude received six months in prison and three years of probation for child abandonment. And Guy was sentenced but later acquitted of mental incompetence and sent to a mental health facility. Gabrielle was sentenced to nine months in jail and three years probation, and Rock was sentenced to two years in prison and three years probation. Authorities burned the compound to the ground and bulldozed the ashes, and the free members of the group set up houses in a few apartments in Quebec. Rock was released from jail on February 1984. His followers wanted to stay together in the city, but Rock had other ideas. 
They would start over again in Burt River near the town of Lindsay in Ontario. And in May of 1984, he moved them to their new home and began the construction of a new cabin built by his followers. His followers then were two men and nine women. Four of the women were pregnant, by the way. The group now had 10 children among them. Rock established new rules because that's what he does. One of the, you know, he was, nobody was allowed to have conversations without him being in attendance. He forbade Jacques and Maurice from sleeping together. And he encouraged Jacques to beat Maurice if she ever talked back to him or back to Rock, even though she was once again pregnant. Rock convinced Jacques that Maurice had a birthmark that looked like 666 and ordered her to live apart from everyone else in the hut with her own two, quote, animal children. The group was refused welfare funding because Ontario considered them an institution rather than a family like Quebec did. And this only proved to his disciples that the outside world was hostile to the group's way of life and reinforced their isolation. Nobody understands us. Mm. That's, and that's there's a big that. reason why. Mm -hmm. Rock began drinking heavily again and began implementing more restrictions and punishment and sadistic games for his own amusement. He would beat his followers and on occasion would strike them with a broadside of an axe or with a hammer and forbade them to go to the hospital. Sometimes he would urinate on them or force them to perform angelingus on one another and sometimes force them to smear themselves with each other's feces. He also ordered Jacques to be circumcised and in doing so, he accidentally removed the entire head of his penis. <gasps> How does one accidentally do that? What? Uh, well, you if know, you're not that... medically trained, maybe there, there's, your, there's your answer to your question. He had no formal medical training. He was just drunk. And just, yeah, what, I know go. what we should do. Yeah. Did he do that because they were a threat to him? Uh, I don't know. I have no idea. He was crazy. He's crazy. It's control. It's just crazy. Gabrielle Lavallee gave birth to a baby boy by the name of Eleazar by Ross. The baby was Rocks, by the way. Baby was born in August of 84. The name Eleazar is a high priest in the Hebrew Bible and also a nephew of Moses, by the way. That's where he got the name. So for some reason, Rock hated this baby, and he claimed that it had the mark of the devil. But that was his baby. It was his baby, yes. And even though Eleazar was a baby and not old enough to sit up on his own, Rock would often beat him. So on January 26, 1985, in what Gabrielle considered an act of mercy, she put her five-month-old baby boy in a wheelbarrow and left him outside in the freezing temperatures. Less than two hours later, the little Eleazar was dead and he was covered in snow. And the coroner listed his cause of death as SIDS. SIDS? Mm -hmm. Did she neglect to tell them that she put him in a thing and took him outside and left him? She leave that little part out? I'm sure that was not neglected. I'm sure she omitted that purposefully. But... She's a very sympathetic character. Just let me go on. So she didn't. Sh okay. It was might have been a mercy thing. I'm not one to judge her. Mm, I am. But okay. For whatever, for whatever reason, Rock decided to let Maurice leave the compound after being denied contact with her pre-cult husband, Jacques, for a year. She was allowed to take two of her three surviving children, a two-year-old and an infant, but he demanded that her eldest daughter, who was nearly a teenager, mm -hmm. who had been born before her days with the cult, remained behind. 
Brace took the opportunity and fled. However, several months later, she decided to take legal action to retrieve her eldest daughter from the cult. Maurice testified to the conditions that she and her children were being subjected to. And this is when the truly horroring tales became to coming into light. Members of the compound were not allowed to speak to Maurice's children. It was reported that Rock would hold two women's children over a fire and threaten to throw them in. And he would revel in the fact that these women would beg for their own children to be spared. He nailed children to trees by their clothes and told the other children to stone them or throw knives at them, only to call them off at the very last minute. The children had chores around the commune, such as hand-washing the adult women's sanitary napkins. (gasps) And the children were deprived of sleep and food and had mouths full of rotting teeth. Rock also told the children that sometimes God demanded a blood sacrifice. And in a ritual just for the children, a naked Rock Terrio disemboweled a goat that one of his daughters had hand-raised and bathed himself in its blood. The children also went into detail about group sex rites that were held in the cabin and which often involved the whole family. Rock and his teenage son, Rock Sr., also sexually abused and sometimes raped the children. Rock Sr. would sometimes have the children masturbate him. He also had the children watch as members of the group masturbated one another or themselves believing that this was a proper method of sexual instruction. That's just... How come he had a problem with it with Guy then? Uh, Because he bends the rules. I get it. Like, it's whatever works for him. It's just a whole problem, nonetheless. He's sick. Those children are just horrible. The court ordered an independent assessment in which two doctors ordered the children to be returned to the compound immediately. Their 300-page report celebrated Rock's pioneering spirit and experimental attitude regarding sex education. No, were those doctors on the payroll? Are you kidding me? No, the doctors accused the government of religious persecution. But however, on October 26, 1987, the court ruled that the children children be made wards of the crown. There was to be no parental access as the courts believed that Rock posed a great risk to his children because, of course, he did. The 83-page court ruling also suggested that the testimonies of the two doctors and the sympathetic CAS agents were compromised as the two doctors and CAS agents were fellow Quebecois, like they, and the court felt that they had no objectivity or concern for the welfare of the children and only sympathy for what they saw as persecution for fellow Francophobes. Yes, and without further evidence, though, no criminal charges could be brought against Rock. Got away with it again. Those children, I mean, my heart breaks for them, and they're not children anymore. I mean, they're adults. Who they're was our not, ages. Who was not doing their job? I mean, if it you It sounds like everybody wasn't doing their job. Nobody was doing their job. So around this time, a drunken Rock became enraged with Claude for some minor infraction and ordered Claude to walk around with an elastic band wrapped tightly around his scrotum. Claude wanted to appease Rock and kept it on all night, and this caused serious damage to his testicles, so of course, this prompted Rock to operate. Rock used a razor blade to cut open Claude's scrotum and removed the infected testicles with his fingers, (gasps) then cauterized the room with a hot piece of iron. Now, none of these procedures, in question mark, were ever performed with an anesthetic. And with the exception of the occasional use of ethanol, 
Rock then held a vote to determine whether Claude should be stoned to death for offending God, right? Whatever. Mm-hmm. And unhappy with the decision of his followers to let Claude live, Rock took up a torch and threatened to open Claude's stomach with the torch. And Claude managed to escape into the woods where he stayed until Rock was sober and he could come back again. I should have just kept going. Thank you. Unless he was, yeah, I don't know. One night in February of 1987, Rock threw a hunting knife at Giselle, creating a wound three inches deep into her thigh. The wound immediately gushed blood, but Rock decided to sit back, have another beer, take a nap. And then when he woke up two hours later, he found Giselle's leg swollen and bruised from a blood clot that had formed. So Rock decided to operate, probing it with a red hot iron fire Mm -hmm. and poured Mm -hmm. several cups of boiling water on her leg. Mm. Mm-hmm. A week later, the wound was infected, and Rock decided to fill the wound with salt, olive oil, and spruce gum. Giselle escaped, but after a few days, she went back to Rock, and she, along with everyone else still in the cult, was convinced that they had significant parts in God's grand plan, and so they had to endure. I got a question. In that God's grand plan, there d- didn't they think it was weird that Rock could get as drunk as he wanted and wanted, and and d- didn't they think maybe that was just not okay? He was the divine leader. They trust whatever he So he, he could do. do whatever he wanted, mm-hmm. including salt and olive oil. It's spruce gum. Is that what you said? In spruce wound? gum. Mm-hmm. Spruce gum. Mm-hmm. So, okay, here's just a little glimpse of the torture that was put upon the anthill kids. All right. Rock burned Joji's back and Nicole's stomach with a torch. He hit Jacques in the head with a blunt axe and broke his ribs with a wooden club. He punched his firstborn son, Rock Jr., in the face when he refused to wrestle with his brother, Francois. He beat Nicole, who was three months pregnant, causing her to miscarry. On another occasion, he shot her in the shoulder. He broke Giselle's ribs with the steel-toed boots. He sliced Claude's arm open with a piece of glass. He pulled 11 of Claude's teeth with a pair of pliers when there was nothing wrong with them. He hogtied him, hung him from the ceiling, and ordered his wives to pluck all of his body hair. (gasps) He squeezed Gabrielle and Giselle's nipples with vice grips until they bled. He beat one of his horses to death with a chain and ordered Claude to burn the body. And even after all that, plus making them eat excrement and dead mice, punching Solange in the neck and knocking her out, breaking Solange's cheekbones, randomly throwing knives at people, his members continued to stay. They and still they forgave God. him and released him from any guilt by reassuring Rock that this was just God working through him. They never seemed to question why a loving God would inflict such cruelty on them. Uh-huh. I would think one of them would think that that's not right, that mm-hmm. no God, no loving God would do that. No. To Gabrielle Lavalie, the nurse in the group, Rock inflicted an unthinkable torture. A sledgehammer was taken to her thigh. Her hand was squeezed in a vice. Rock hit her in the eye with a belt, pulled out eight of her perfect teeth, stuck a uh, hypodermic needle in her back and twisted it until the tip broke off. He burned her chest and genitals with a torch, broke her fingers with a board, cut off one of her fingers and made her cut a hole in the ice of the pond and jump into the freezing water. But still, the worst was yet to come. Gabrielle's uterus prolapsed and it protruded three inches outside of her vagina. And Rock, of course, with his medical non-degree, he attempted to fix it by punching the uterus back inside Gabrielle's body. And then he fashioned a wooden cone to try to plug it up, keep it in there. And although 
Gabrielle fled to a woman's shelter, she returned to the compound instead of seeing a doctor. And so then she Rock, didn't, when she was on the outside, she didn't go see a doctor? No. It's brainwashing. That's, it's pure and simple brainwashing. Um, Rock's subsequent treatment for that was to tie a piece of string around the exposed portion <gasps> of the uterus. Oh. And to yank on no. it. Just like it, because it's not attached on the inside or anything, right? He just thought he Ugh. could just pull it out. And Gabrielle would suffer with this prolapsed uterus for a year. And it was only when Rock made a trip to Utah that she sought treatment and got a partial hysterectomy. Okay. And now we're going to get really gross. And my apologies. So here's a big warning for you. I don't know if I can take it. I'm sitting here with my face all scrunched up like mm-hmm. in disbelief. So in the fall of 1988, Solange began to feel ill. Rock immediately decided that she needed an operation, and he inserted an enema tube filled with a mixture of molasses, oil, and water into Solange's rectum. He punched and pressed Solange's stomach, and then he inserted a tube down her throat and told everyone else to blow and suck on the tube. Rock made a five-inch vertical incision into Solange's right side, below the ribs, Then he pulled out a strip of tissue about four inches long and a quarter of an inch thick. And he told her, quote, there, you're going to be all right. Again, the entire procedure was done without any painkillers or any anesthesia. And after Solange was sewn up, Rock ordered a warm bath for her and they filled it with cherries. That was part of the thing. That was what he ordered, a warm bath with cherries. Cherries? And of course, and of course, this only made things worse. So, uh. Rock decided that she needed to switch to a cold bath. With cherries? With cherries. And when Solange finally made it to bed, she started to cough up blood. It seemed like Rock had made a tear in her colon, which leaked digestive fluids into the abdominal cavity. And she died of uh, peritonitis. And Rock was distressed afterwards, and he tried to kill himself in several in several different ways. And the last being he tried to throw he tried to drown himself. And of course, he survived, and he took to writing letters to the dead Solange. He wrote in one of those letters, quote, A strange force entered my arms and tore the bindings from me. I came out of the water yelling, God doesn't want me to die. He reported that Solange was inside his body and had dreams in which Solange took shape from his spilled semen. Terrio sought guidance from Dr. Grossback or an LDS branch president in Utah who Rock had been communicating with, they both became convinced that Solange was to be the first, quote, reverse birth, meaning Rock believed that he was pregnant with his the dead Solange. Oh, boy. Rock convinced Alec Joseph, Alex Joseph, also a Mormon with 10 wives, to perform a post-mortem marriage by proxy for himself and Solange. Wait, the, the post-mortem Marriage. Marriage. By, by proxy. proxy. Yeah. Okay. For Rock and Solange. And after a couple days, Rock returned to Ontario from Utah and ordered Claude to exhume Solange's body. So grab your seatbelts. This is bad. Just well, I already ears. have like five seatbelts on and it keeps getting worse. Everybody put on, cover their ears. I'm going to say it and you can cover your ears because this, yeah. Rock made Gabrielle open because, okay, the bodies of Solange is now exhumed, right? So Rock made Gabrielle open Solange's body and pour vinegar on her internal organs to keep the worms away. That's not going to work. He then buried the body again, Solange's body. But a few days later, he decided to re-exhume her once more. 
and even though her body was beginning to decay, Rock instructed Jock to drill a hole in Solange's skull. Oh, God. Do you know where I'm going here? I can only imagine, but I and hope then, it's not what I think. And then he masturbated into oh, the hole. God. This was, Does he was nobody convinced. Nobody is thinking this is weird that, okay, we've, we followed I, you this whole time, but now I drive. Where's the line? Like, where are they going to say, you're not right, buddy. We're done. Well, Rock was convinced that this is what was going to resuscitate her. This is going to bring her back to life. There are other varying accounts as to whether or not other male disciples were particip- also participated in this act of necrophilia or what. But yeah, my heart breaks. I it just, it's... Uh, I don't understand. It's unreal. I don't, I mean, he is sick and... He is. He makes Charlie, um, Charles Manson look sort of normal. This guy's, I thank you. Ugh. Giselle told Rock that Solange's wish was to be cremated, and Rock agreed. And however, before the cremation, he told Gabrielle to remove one of Solange's ribs, which he kept in a leather pouch to carry around with him. Rock also collected a few more bone fragments and put them in a jar with olive oil to preserve as a preservative. He would regularly masturbate into the jar oh. in an attempt to bring Solange back to life through reverse birth. With his vast anatomy degree, he... Uh-huh should know that that's not how it works. I need to find out what medical school he went to, so never go to that one. Oh, man. Rock Terrio made another visit to Utah to entrust one of his new babies to be in Alex Joseph's care so the CAS, or the Children's Aid Society, wouldn't take the child. And during that visit, Alex Joseph and Rock apparently had an argument over how Rock treated his wives. And Joseph successfully stood up to Rock and that made an impression on Rock's wives, which um, maybe Rock, maybe they got to, they were thinking that maybe Rock wasn't as all powerful after all, that somebody could stand up for to him, the <laughs> gods one, you know, maybe he's not so great. So this made Rock even more controlling. Um, however, one of his wives, Jorge, left Rock for good that winter and Rock succeeded in concealing the birth of two more children and the death of Solange from the authorities. Getting out was the best thing that that lady ever did. They did. did. That's mm-hmm. for sure. So here's another gross part. On This is almost like torture porn. I feel guilty for even saying all this. Seriously. And I mean, I know this was a request, but this is, it's too much for me. It really is. On July 26, 1989, Rock came home very drunk and causing most of his wives to run into the woods and hide, <sighs> which was very smart. But Gabrielle Lavallee, unfortunately, she didn't get to hide. Rock ordered Gabrielle to place her hand on the table so that he can inspect one of her fingers. But instead, he stabbed her hand with a hunting knife, pinning her to the table. Blood began to pour out of her hand, but instead of tending to the wound, Rock decided that he needed to take a beer break. Gabrielle forced herself to remain conscious, and after 45 minutes, Rock came back over to see that Gabrielle's whole arm had turned blue. And he said to her, huh, it's not looking so good, is it? Uh, Rock then took a knife and started to carve away at her arm, halfway between the elbow and the shoulder. He carved meat, her arm, basically, all the way to the bone. The entire time, Gabrielle was awake with no anesthetic. Rock found himself too drunk to finish the job and called Chantel over to finish. She basically cleared away all the tissue all the way around 
until there was just a narrow band of exposed bone that went all the way around Gabrielle's arm. And why is he doing this again? When he stabbed her in the he's hand? Just because drunk. The, he's just the drunk. The arm looked blue, so he thought he'd start... He does all this stuff when he gets drunk. I mean, that's pretty much the key here. When that was done, Rock then dragged Gabrielle over to the stump that was sticking out of the kitchen floor. And while Gabrielle was pleading with him to stop, I mean, she never screamed or cried out, but she was pleading She's for him to stop. shock. He took a dull meat cleaver and swung at the exposed bone. Oh. The first swing missed, and the second swing amputated her arm completely off. And the next day, Gabrielle hitchhiked to a women's shelter, but returned to the compound oh. three weeks later. What? Why? And a few days after, mm, well, she's brainwashed. A few days after that, Rock decided that Gabriel's arm was gangrenous and used a pair of scissors to cut out the infection. And he also cut a chunk from her breast and then hit her on the head with the side of an axe. That's when Gabrielle fled into the forest. And when she came to her senses a few days later, she found that insects had laid eggs in her wounds. <gasps> and she re once again returned to the cabin, only to find Rock still drunk and irritated. And Rock heated a piece of metal and pressed it against Gabrielle's raw stump of her arm and cauterized the wound. August 16th, 1989, Gabrielle made it to the hospital, weighing only 80 pounds. And she was initially elusive and giving details about what happened when people had asked to her arms. But finally, she spoke. And the police were called and charged. Uh, the police were called and a charge of aggravated assault was filed against Rock Terrio. When the police arrived on August 19th with a warrant for Rock's arrest, the compound was deserted. Rock, along with Jacques, Chantel, and Nicole, and the two babies Rock had managed to hide from the CAS, fled to Quebec, and the other members had finally gone home to their families. Six weeks later, the police found Rock Terrio and other members who fled with him. Um, Giselle decided to tell the police about Solange's death on October 6th. And to the court's surprise, everyone pleaded guilty on the charges filed against them relating to Gabrielle's amputation. Rock was sentenced to 12 years, which would later be reduced to 10 years because of his, quote, genuine remorse and concern for the victim. Jacques was given five years, Chantel two years, and Nicole 18 months. When the information about the death of Solange was given to the authorities, they gave Rock second-degree murder charges as well. Rock agreed to plead guilty as long as no other charges would ever be brought against him. On January 18th, 1993, Rock Terrio was sentenced to life in prison with the possibility Great. of parole. Goodness. In 1999, France Chantel and Nicole remained loyal to Rock, even birthed more children to him through conjugal visits, which is brainwashing. How would the government, how would the prison system allow that, knowing that he's a cult member, he would allow, what, I don't. I, okay, maybe one, but three? Nobody else gets three women to come in there. Mm, I don't know. It's believed that Rock has as many as 20 children who are all distributed to various foster homes across the country, including a boy who lived in Utah with Alex Joseph. On February 10th, 2011, Rock's cellmate, Matthew McDonald, who is already serving a life sentence, stabbed Terrio in the neck with a shiv. McDonald then walked to the guard station handed him the weapon and, and proclaimed, quote, that piece of shit is down on the range. Here's the knife. I sliced him up. And thus was the end of God's chosen one, Rock Terrio. Can't say I'm sorry now, to hear about his passing. 
and here's the ending here about cults. And it's important to remember that most people don't willingly join a cult. They willingly join what they believe is a group that promotes high ideals. For the survivors of cults, the road to recovery is a long and arduous one and often filled with guilt, fear, shame, and longing for something to fill the void that used to be populated by their fellow cult members. Some never fully heal and integrate back into society. Daniel Shaw, who's a leading deprogramming therapist, designs a cult as this, quote, a cult is a group dedicated to the mission of the leader who was always a traumatizing narcissist. This kind of narcissist claims to be pursuing a mission to help others empower themselves, either spiritually or financially, and to change the world in some uplifting or purifying way. Followers are introduced to practices and rituals meant to strengthen and purify them, which are designed to test their devotion to the leader and train them to depend on and submit to the leader. Followers are exploited in every way to fulfill the cult leader's actual mission, which is always to bolster and maintain his or her delusion of omnipotence. I I mean, I get ideally how that works, and I do get like people have, you know, maybe a hard upbringing or they've had a hard life and they're just looking for something better. I totally can stand behind that. I get it. However, when you see somebody do some of the things he did, even at the very onset, wouldn't... He used fear. He used gaslighting. He spoke to them. Just reason. I don't know. Do you know what I mean? Like it's- thankfully, I've never had to be in any kind of situation like that. But, you know, these people are looking for something, like they said, to fill the void. And he came along and... Yeah, he filled voids That's what with- he did. Uh, gum and olive oil and salt. He but filled. You would be afraid, like if you would try to leave, he beat the shit out of you. Yeah, but some of I them mean, made it away for three weeks and came back because they were like, brainwashed and oof. they thought. I'm, yeah, but if they come uh, back, I would be almost more scared to come back because he's gonna, he's going to get you for leaving in the first place. You'd be better safe to just stay away. If you can escape, then stay away. He was. And he and not to make excuses, but it was always when he was drunk that it was the worst, right? And that's so another thing. That's, that's just like your women who don't leave their abusive husbands or men who don't leave their abusive wives. It's he's only it's only when they're drunk. He's very sweet to me. Otherwise, I mean, we can't judge. I mean, oh, I can judge. I, you can. Ju- <laughs> I mean, you can judge, but I'm sympathetic to their plight that how they got into it and not. I I am sympathetic as to how they got to it. I am not that they need to get out because there has to be. They all need to get out. Yes, that you have to see that. Once you see him, the government failed castrating people or everybody. The uh, other stuff I don't even want to talk about. Well, supposedly Rock was very manipulative and charming, and Mm -hmm. he could talk people into doing. Obviously, he could. He could talk people into doing things and he could get, I mean, the one family pulled their daughter out who had multiple sclerosis sclerosis, and was being treated by a doctor and they just met him in an anti-smoking rally or something like that, an anti-smoking place. And they thought that he could treat their daughter of multiple sclerosis. I mean, that's, he was charming and he was manipulative and he was charismatic. Look at Manson. I he guess. was charismatic. David Koresh. Look what all happened there. I mean, it it happens and it's scary as hell. And um, I just want to say. I understand, say, too, that you, you get in there like you and I are really good friends. So if we went in there together, 
part of the pull would be to not leave you. Do you see, you know what I'm saying? So Mm -hmm. I get that, like you get in there and you make friends with other people and you think, well, if I leave, it's going to be harder on them. So maybe it'd just be easier and if I kids, stay. And the kids, don't forget, what if I can't take my kids? I'm going to stay. What if, if I can't take my kids and my kids get sick yeah. or he's going to hurt my kids and you're going to want to stay? Like I said, that's one of the main controlling Ooh. things, what right? That's why they have. Sick, 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 sick. Oh. So, Ooh. yeah, I just want to say that if uh, you or any loved ones need help with either leaving a cult or in any need if you're in need of therapy to help recover from your experiences, you can visit the International Cultic Studies Association. Their website is icsahome.com slash support, and you could get help. I will also put that in the show notes. But yeah, it's it's this is horrible. It's one of the worst cults that I think I've ever read mm-hmm, about. Mm-hmm. It's it's Just, nasty. Mm. He was yeah. incredible. Yeah. Well, that, unbelievable. It's really unbelievable. It really that is it actually happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. continued and, on for so long. Yeah. And this is just the shortened version of it, too. Like, there's there's more to it. And um, it just gets. What was the name of? Did, did you get the Savage Messiah? Savage Messiah. There's also tons of YouTube videos on it. There's uh, a movie fictionalized version of this, oh. but you don't really have to fictionalize most of it. The Savage Messiah, the book. Uh, yeah, tons of, there are documentaries on it, too. It's just, it's very scary and gross. And who did, to the person that requested this, I want to thank you and maybe not thank you for it. We appreciate it, though. Um, but yeah, sorry, everybody. My apologies. Oof. <laughs> but that it's a, disgusting. That was a doozy. I do have it to was. say that. Um, it was gross. And this was a long one, too. So welcome back. <laughs> yeah, welcome back. I would say. I don't really think there's a need for chit chat because it just no. kind of seems silly at this no, point. No, but uh, I do want to say that we do have a promo at the end of it. Our good friend TZ Borden has a podcast called Tales of the Dark Side. It's this season that he's doing is about the Daniel Shaver case. Do you remember Daniel Shaver? He was the man that was in a hotel room. Somebody called and said that he had a gun. He was... uh like he worked for Orkin or some kind of, he was a oh. pest maintenance a man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was a bug guy. And he was in a hotel room. Somebody called that said that he had a gun and he came out. There's videos of it and he's begging for his life and the police just shot him. He wasn't armed. He oh. didn't have a gun. It's a horrible story. It happened in the January of 2016, I think. And this is, it's a really good podcast. Um, this episode, this this case makes me angry. The poor Daniel Schaefer is all I'm saying. I mean, it was, it was in the, what's listen the name to of the it. Podcast it's again? Tales of the Dark Side and it's his newest season. Perfect. And it's about, yeah, it, oh. it's got all that kind of stuff. Oh, and also real quick, um, in Friday, we are doing a special feed drop with our friend October Pod VHS, Edward. And um, you might hear Camille and I, Cam and I in a little bit of it. So it's not anything of our normal content, but we thought you might enjoy it. It deals around uh, Friday the 13th, which this Friday is Friday the 13th. So just a little special extra for you and to welcome you back into the new year. Way to kick off the new year. I think that's all I have. Sounds good. I'll make sure to check it out. Nope. Just going to say until next time, remember, lock your doors. And keep passing by those open windows. Uh, Bye-bye. Love ya. 
Today's episode was researched and written by me, Jen. For more information about this episode, as well as all other sources, please check out our show notes or the podcast website at OurTrueCrimePodcast.com. Our True Crime Podcast is developed and created by the hosts, Jen and Cam. Original music and audio mix of all our True Crime Podcast episodes is courtesy of Nico Vertese from We Talk of Dreams. You can reach Nico at wetalkofdreams.com. Listener discretion is provided by Edward October from Octoberpod VHS. You can find all of his great works on YouTube. Please make sure to like and subscribe to our True Crime Podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. We can be reached on Instagram and Facebook at Our True Crime Podcast or on Twitter with the handle at Our True Crime Pod. You can also email us at OurTrueCrimePodcast at gmail.com. We would also at this time like to thank our patrons. We would be so lost without you. Thank you so much. And if you would like to help support the show, you can check us out on patreon.com slash Our True Crime Podcast. You can also show your support by leaving a five-star review on Apple or simply just tell your friends about us. It's that easy. Love ya. You know those dads who literally never sit down? That was Danny. He constantly was doing something either for them or with them. Hashtag girl dad, totally. We hope to one day have a son, which was taken from us. If you make a mistake, there's a very severe possibility you're both going to get shot. Do you understand that? Yes. Wanted to do our best to secure, make sure everybody was safe. So we started making verbal commands. Shut up. You listen, you obey. You started screaming. I would describe as yelling very loudly. Please do not shoot me. Then listen to my instructions. I'm trying to do it. Don't talk. Listen. He's crawling towards the police, crying, please, please don't shoot me. The officer shot him five times. Hands straight up in the air. Do not put your hands down for any reason. You think you're going to fall, you better fall on your face. Crawl towards me. Jesus Christ, they murdered that guy! In and he gets, blood. he got off! In he got blood. off! They, they murdered, they, they killed this guy. I mean, it looks, it looks a lot like murder. Cop who killed, fired from the force, is now getting paid, collecting a taxpayer-funded check every month for the rest of his life. She received a phone call from her eight-year-old school. She tried choking herself while she was at school and told her friend that she wanted to die. I lost everything in my life. Mesa's watching every single video on here, so I want to make this message very clear to them. I am not going to stop fighting until my husband gets justice. You didn't realize who you were messing with when you killed Daniel Shaver. I am Lainey Sweet, I'm his wife, and I will not stop fighting. You just listened to the trailer for the new season of my podcast, Tapes from the Dark Side. The execution of Daniel Shaver is the investigation into the 2016 police shooting of an unarmed man. It's often described as the most disturbing police shooting ever caught on tape. This multi-part series will examine the depravity of the Mesa Police Department's actions that night and the ensuing corruption that is still ongoing to this day. This is Tapes from the Dark Side, The Execution of Daniel Shaver, available now on Apple, Spotify, and all podcast apps. Subscribe today. Just search Tapes 
from the dark side. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.